used to be you go, I have a podcast, and they go, what's a podcast? Mm-hmm. Now it's, I have a podcast. Oh, what's your podcast called? I'm not sure when that transition happened. I think Serial yeah. was when that Yeah, happened. probably was. Podcast listeners, at least those who became hooked on Serial this time last year, have been in a frenzy over when season two would launch. After unexplained delays, with people getting their knickers in a twist about the prospect of having to survive the holiday period without their fix, Serial Season 2 sneaked out in the dawn hours of Thursday, December 10th, without so much as an anticipatory email to all the faithful subscribers who'd been obsessively checking their inboxes every ten minutes for the last month. There's plenty of meat in the Bo Bergdahl story for Sarah Koenig and her team to chew on but there's still a bit of unfinished business from season one that really needs to be addressed and that could continue to be a nagging issue during season two as well. Michael Shea, on Saturday Night Live's Weekend Update in December of last year, referenced this little matter just after season one of Serial had come to an end. This week, the popular NPR podcast Serial finished its 12-episode run. For much more on this story, talk to white people. (laughs) It's a joke, right? I mean, it's just a cliche that only white people were listening to Sarah Koenig agonise over whether her Muslim subject murdered his ex-girlfriend. Right? Or is this joke implying that the podcast in general, whether from a production or listener perspective, is a predominantly white medium? Hmm... It can't be denied that every joke has one or both of two characteristics. It's rooted in an element of truth, or it's rooted in a popularly held belief or stereotype, or both. Stereotypes themselves are rooted in some members of certain groups fulfilling the perceived representation, but that doesn't mean that all or even most people from a certain group fall comfortably into the perceived stereotype. More likely, it means that those few that do fulfil a convenient idea. An idea convenient not even necessarily for unscrupulous motives. Though, of course, there are plenty of stereotypes that are simply hostile and obnoxious. Stereotypes can urge people to indignation about others, on behalf of others, or about themselves. And that, in turn, can, though of course not always, lead to creative and positive reactions that then adjust the balance of perceptions. We're not claiming to be able to resolve the issue of whether podcasting and listening to podcasts is a white people thing, but rather to see how racial characterisation about the podcast medium is propagated by outsiders to a particular group, but also by insiders, and to put forth some questions as to what the overt and underlying messages might be and why some people are so invested in sending them. Let's start with Serial, seeing as Saturday Night Live threw down the white gauntlet on that. Michael Shea suggested an apparently popularly held view that only white people were listening to the Blockbuster podcast. There's very little data out there on serial listener demographics, though there are thousands of reports about the download statistics. The only comprehensive survey of the demographics of serial listeners is a Reddit survey, but even that is a possibly distorted overview, as Reddit listeners themselves are self-selecting, and probably mostly American. The questions on the survey are decidedly America-centric, referring to American school levels and types of secondary school, college rather than university, and only American political categories. It lists only ethnic groups of which there are significant numbers in America. The Reddit survey therefore no doubt says more about American Reddit subscribers, who happen to listen to Serial, than about Serial listeners worldwide per se. Anyway, it's a starting point. And the Adnan Syed story is an American story, 
So, with reservations, let's look at what emerges. Reddit serial listeners are concentrated in the 23 to 40 age range, two-thirds female and one-third male, and, yes, 87% white. Those who identify as black or African-American only represent 5% of Reddit serial listeners surveyed, and Asians and Hispanics barely 4% each, 42% have a university degree, and 36% have a graduate degree. Less than 4% have not attended college at all, and an astonishing 35% are in a household with a six-figure, in dollars, income. Nearly three-quarters are Republican voters, and one-quarter vote Democrat. Yes, indeed, rich, educated, conservative, white people. American white people, at least on Reddit. Yep, those are your serial listeners, white people. Ah, but I have my own non-Reddit hands-on observations to bring. I went to one of those tour-stop live presentations given by serial presenter Sarah Koenig and producer Julie Snyder. And I sat right in the middle of the audience and took photographs of those around me. And, yes, they were almost all Caucasian. There were a few Muslim women, some who seemed to be in a small party with Rabia Chaudhry herself. Rabia is the woman from Adnan Syed's Muslim community who first brought his story to Sarah Koenig in an attempt to bring it more publicity. This was, after all, the tour stop closest to Baltimore, where Adnan Syed is from. I only saw a handful of black people. I'm not going to say African-Americans, because for all I know, they may have been from other countries. But again, this was a self-selecting, show-going crowd. There could be plenty of minority listeners who just aren't interested in hanging out at a concert venue to hear about the production of a podcast, let alone one produced and presented by white people. Okay, so it looks like from our unscientific but limited and anecdotal evidence that serial listeners were mostly white. But here's another perspective. I learned about cereal from a whole bunch of black people. Right. Yeah, people. Yeah, I, I mean, cereal like that. Like, like, right I heard board. it. I told a friend. She told 20 friends. Next thing you know, we're having Facebook discussions yeah. about Adnan Syed. Yeah. We're I'm like, Facebook hey, man, is he This is an all-black panel at the DC PodFest this past November, talking about podcasters not being all white, nor listeners being all white either. We'll be hearing more from them later. But you can see how this group of African-Americans are quite clear about having found out about cereal within their own community, not by being enlightened by white people. So why was the idea of cereal being a white people's thing developed so strongly into a meme? If it hadn't been a widespread cultural cliché, Saturday Night Live wouldn't have bothered making a sardonic reference to it. Let's see what insights Twitter has to offer, because this is where we can pick up on trends in encapsulated perceptions. If we identify the race of tweeters by their profile pictures, we see some repeated tendencies. White tweeters were already self-conscious about their interest in podcasts before Serial. Collective, a group of white people that takes photos, podcasts, gardens, cooks, and does arts and crafts. Wow, this live taping of my favourite podcast brings out a super diverse collection of white people. A racially unidentifiable tweeter said, 
If anyone needs a sample of 150 middle-class white people, just come to the bell cord right now for the WTF podcast. It seems the White People Association with podcasts was also part of non-whites' observations about them, but in wry reference to a perceived megalomaniacal tendency on the part of white people. In the six months before the launch of Serial, we had non-whites tweeting, A lot of podcasts are background noise. Wait, let me rephrase that. White people are ubiquitous and just vocal. I remind myself that the Nerdist podcast talks to a lot of white people and that I'm pretty much the whitest black person where I live. You see, even a black person who was generally comfortable in white culture had a sneaky feeling he wasn't included in much of the intended podcast audience. White people at least American white people, themselves became self-conscious, embarrassed and even apologetic about the whiteness of serial listeners quite early in its run, probably because all the debates about it on social media, including on Reddit, appeared to be predominantly populated by white people. Certainly Reddit's survey bears this out. By early November 2014, we had comments such as A series about crime set in Baltimore that white people are crazy about, huh? The popularity of Serial is just proof that white people experience police fuck-ups as material for an interesting podcast. I know how to get white people to care about the Ferguson killing, turn it into a multi-part podcast. I'm proud of myself for being one of the few white people left on Earth not listening to Serial podcast. And by the end of November, the self-deprecating among white people who commented rose to the level of caricature. And he said unto thee, whenever two or more white people are gathered, they shall discuss that new serial podcast. White people are probably a bit more excited for a new serial podcast than for Thanksgiving. Based on what I'm seeing, white people like the serial podcast more than if NPR had a live broadcast from a Starbucks inside a Whole Foods. See the America-centric perspective? As if American white people are the representative white people and as if Americans are the only people listening to Serial. Even the detractors were sending the same we the white people message. Fellow white people, can we just all shut up about the hashtag Serial podcast for one day? The irony here is that this tweeter has used the hashtag Serial podcast himself, which indicates a desire to be found along with all the other hashtag Serial podcast tweets. And as Serial Season 1 came to a close... The last episode of Serial tomorrow marks the beginning of hibernation for white people. Like many white people across this great nation, I both downloaded and enjoyed all of the Serial podcast. What are all the white people going to do now that Serial podcast is over? And this one, from a racially unidentifiable tweeter, pretty much sums up what had been culturally established, at least by white people, by the end of Serial's first season run. What is Serial? It's a, awesome. a podcast for white people. But what were non-whites saying? Well, about white people and Serial itself, very little. Here's something by an Asian Indian American. A little dig at many white people's lack of multicultural exposure. Serial? A podcast familiarizing white people with ethnic names every Thursday. Yeah, a little snarky. But you know what, white people? You kind of asked for it. I mean, the great majority of the pontificating about how white people were so insular were requisitioning the podcast medium and were the only people listening to Serial was actually 
from white people. And what message do you think that sends to non-whites? It's a bit like saying to a single gay person, Hey, there's a party going on. Are you coming? Oh, but by the way, just so you know, sorry, but pretty much everyone there will be heterosexual couples. You know, I don't want you to feel uncomfortable or anything. So I thought it was only fair to give you the heads up. Yee. So how's our gay guy going to feel now about going to the party? If the apologetic heterosexual person hadn't said anything, he'd probably have gone along without a second thought. No one would have cared and everyone, including him, would have had a great time. Now he's been made to feel like his non-heterosexuality is an issue, as if somehow he's going to stick out like a sore thumb that doesn't quite belong. You think he's going to feel comfortable about going to the party now? No. He's probably going to forego the heterosexual party and find some party to go to with his gay friends, and he'll tell his gay friends what he experienced, and this will just discourage heterosexuals and gays from socialising. Because don't forget, that apologetic heterosexual will also tell his fellow partygoers that the gay guy turned down the invitation, and they'll express dismay that gay guys just don't know how to party. So what's going on at this white podcast party? Doesn't it seem that all this apologetic self-deprecating is just a tad precious and attention-seeking? I mean, on the surface, it might seem like white people are embarrassed about their possible monopolisation of the medium. But in fact, what all this supposedly self-aware mouthing off is doing is creating a covert elitist notice to non-whites that they should consider themselves outside the mainstream fold. That white podcasters and white podcast listeners are the mainstream, even if they're not. And that white people are just so sorry about that. That's just a subtle and disingenuous way of creating the perception of the podcast medium being a white thing, even if in reality it isn't. And it certainly creates a mindset and allegiance division between white and non-white podcast aficionados. We have a case of a stereotype about podcast listeners being self-generated by whites in the guise of an indignant reaction, with an ambiguous subtext that non-whites don't listen to podcasts. All sounds like a bit of cosy, passive self-affirmation, rather than an active attempt to hook up and share experiences with non-white podcast listeners. Rather than adjusting the balance, these declarations seem to have served only to reinforce the notion of podcast listeners being white. White people! Can you just all shut up about the hashtag white people for one day? So we've discovered that apart from the America-centric self-selecting survey of Redditors, there's almost nothing out there on the racial demographics and distribution of podcast listeners. Researchers seem more interested in the age and wealth distribution of podcast consumers and are getting all excited about how the podcast can be used to market to upwardly mobile millennials with money to throw around. So what about non-white podcast producers, podcasters? America has posited itself as the forerunner in producing blockbuster podcasts, and American listeners have selected themselves as typical podcast listeners with a reciprocal interest from marketing researchers. So, if we're going to find a vigorous rebuttal to this white podcast thing, 
Where better to look than at the first podcast festival in the capital city of the United States? Not all podcasts are white, not all people who listen to podcasts are white. I believe in being genuine because that's what a podcast is about, being who you are. This past November, a panel of all black podcasters was invited by the DC Podfest to give a talk called Not All Podcasters Are White. The panel was moderated by African-American Mary Nichols, also known as DJ Fusion of the podcast Fusebox Radio Broadcast. And the three-member panel was made up of Chris of Movie Trailer Reviews Podcast Network, which covers movies of all kinds as well as homing in on black-produced movies, but also podcasts on TV shows, video games, comic books, and dating and relationships. There was Jay of the Nerdpocalypse Network, who describes the podcasts he produces as focusing on all things nerdy from movies, science, technology, comics, to the strange and bizarre stories from around the internet. And thirdly, Phenom Black of Where's My 40 Acres podcast, a no-holds hip-hop, comedy and discussion show presented by a group of college friends. It seems black podcasters also have to grapple with the This Is Our Medium agenda from white podcasters. Phenom expressed his dismay. I listen to a podcast called How Did This Get Made? It's an amazing podcast about films. I love it. It's awesome. Paul Shear said in an episode, he said, well, you know, podcasting is like the whitest thing ever. As much as I love that show when he said that, that hurt because I'm thinking, well, we've been podcasting since 2010. You were podcasting before us. Rob was podcasting when we were. The Bomani Jones was doing radio type podcast shows. Why is it white? To podcast, why is it white to have a voice and to get out there? Like people listen to Sirius Radio, and there are a lot of black stations on Sirius Radio. That was really the only place for a while that you could get a diverse voice. It's still radio; they still can't say certain things. But podcasting was out here. The podcasters on the DC Podfest Black Panel have all created a niche for themselves as African American podcasters with a wide audience, black and non-black, all over the world. They're not closeting themselves away from white listeners. On the contrary, they welcome the opportunity to present white listeners with a black perspective and are curious as to their reactions. Here's Jay. Our most popular show, Black on Black Cinema, it's sort of a head fake, right? You know, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a podcast about black films and it's long form and everything else. That's all great. So it's like, hey, black people, come listen to, you know, more detailed information about movies that you know and uh, movies that you don't know. But the thing is, what has ended up happening was we started getting a lot of white listeners, weirdly like overseas because they have no exposure. And you know, I have some white friends who listen to the show and they're like, you do know we don't get a chance to listen to four black men talk about things just completely unfiltered. Cause it's not, it's just four of us in a room. So it's not like there's a white person like, make sure you say this, you know? So we just say whatever we want to say. And the reason why I call it a head fake is because you come to listen to Coming to America, let's talk about that. But what you leave with is, oh, I never saw the spook who sat by the door. Oh my God, that movie is so real. Holy shit, it's still real today. I can't believe, and I'm gonna go see that. I mean, anytime we did a movie review of the famous Western, pardon my language, but that's the name of the movie, Boss Nigger, and we had white folks like, wow, this movie, I've never heard of this. I can't believe it's called that. I can't believe they made this movie, and here are the reasons why I enjoyed it. That's a way to do a head fake on, for, for black folks to pull them into seeing or listening to something that maybe they wouldn't have normally, and for white folks to give them an insight into, this is what black people are really thinking. We had, just quickly, like, during the Baltimore uprising, which we're out of Baltimore, we were watching it all in the news, and we, all four of us got on and recorded just an unfiltered talk about it. And it made it onto AV Club's Podmas and everything like that. 
And we had Patton Oswalt retweet that episode. And he was like, oh my God, this is something to really listen to. But it was a perspective of four black guys talking about it, live in this area. I, I mean, where I live was like 10 minutes from where it was happening. That's not something you're ever going to hear on, I hate to keep breaking up the nerds. It's just like the widest podcast I can think of. But like, you're never going to hear that on an NPR show or something like that. It's going to be filtered. It's going to be cut and sliced to be the least offensive. But although their African-American identity and perspective is important for much of their output, these black podcasters are also wary of being pigeonholed and even lambasted into expressing opinions and insights that supposedly represent that culture, especially outdated and negative stereotypes of that culture. As Mary says, Everybody had their own definition of what black is. Here's Jay again. I think there is a part of the, the box thing that you were talking about, which is, oh, you're black, you're supposed to talk about this, you're supposed to believe these things. And I think that happens with any minorities, you know, with women especially. So we try to push back on that whenever we can. Even though we talk about Marvel movies and what have you, we try to, we try to guide the conversations if we can into you know, serious topics on sexism, racism, those sort of things. And you know, we have a good time, but there certainly is those boxes that people put you in. I've had people send me a message and said, oh, because ours is all audio. It's like, oh, I didn't realize you were black, and which I always find to be funny. I'm like, I, I went to school. I'm, like, yeah, I'm sorry. But that's always kind of funny to me, and I get that, and I just kind of laugh it off, and I'm like, that's fine. I'm still going to talk about black issues. I don't ever back down from that. Interestingly, it doesn't seem to be just white people they're struggling with on a regular basis. It's also people from their own community. An older, an older black male, probably somebody I think in their uh, late 30s or early 40s, called us out for sounding pompous. While we're talking about hip-hop, three of my friends on my show, we all went to the same high school. We're from the same area, we grew up together. One of the co-hosts on the show, we actually went to college, stayed in the same dorm for four years. So he's like my brother. So we started this show, and all of us are college grads. We actually had a person call into the show. He calls in and he starts reading me the riot act about how I threw my degree in his face. And in the same week, I had people tweeting me going, oh my God, I didn't know you guys went to college. And I was like, oh, I'm listening and I'm like, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing when we're talking on a podcast and you can't tell. But this guy was really upset that I talked about having a degree. And he's now like a running gag on the show. His name was John, he was from Detroit. And that happened three years ago, and we still say, you sound like John from Detroit. Like, that's what you sound like. We don't knock anybody for not going to college. I don't think everybody needs to go to college. I think some people are really cool at vocational work or really cool at coming up with great ideas. We just happened to go. And I talked about it on the show, and for some reason that was a problem because at the time I think I was 27, so I'm 27 black male, and that's not normal, I guess. And then they're like, well, you can't talk about your degrees, though, man. It's just, just rubbing your education in people's faces. Phenom and his fellow black podcasters cringe at some of their African-American podcasting predecessors who tried to capitalize on supposedly culturally familiar and accessible mindsets. When we first started, Blog Talk Radio was a huge, a huge yeah. thing for podcasting. And I say that because you could literally just click record and start running your damn mouth. And you, you didn't have anything to say. So my first experience with urban podcasts was on Blog Talk Radio. And I'm not afraid to say it. These were some of the most ghetto, hood. They would talk about things that just 
girl, they got weave is cheaper here than it is there. Or guys are talking about, I don't understand why women go out here and get these jobs, ain't at home raising these babies. And they would actually talk like that, ain't at home raising these babies. Like, what in the hell? The, the podcast that made me want to start a podcast was one ran by a bunch of pimps. And I'm, I'm not joking. I am not joking. I'm there and it's oh, it's gone now. They've retired. <laughs> you can never retire from the game. Yeah. But they have social security. These guys, and that's actually how I started following like Chris is in and a bunch of other guys who podcast. <laughs> Not because he's a pimp. But because I went on I went on like a tirade on Twitter. I was just quoting what these guys were saying. These guys were just the most atrocious, disgusting. <laughs> people I guys I'd ever heard and to make it worse they brought hoes onto the show to validify what they were saying matching lingerie was what set me off they said they said I can't mess with no chick that don't have matching lingerie how your bra brown your panties black and I was like Seriously, that, that's that's why you that's why you would. That's the line. That's what it is. She got leopard skin and tiger skin, dog. That don't match. I was like, bruh, and I just started tweeting it. And the response from the women on Twitter was by far hilarious because they were, "What are you listening to? No, you're lying. You're making this up. I'm definitely not." And then they had women come on to this podcast with these guys who had already berated women awfully. And then the women were going, yeah, I don't know what's wrong with those girls. You know, you, you can buy them as a set. How your stuff get mismatched? Chris also remembers those days. Like that was considered urban radio. That's what the black voices were. Phenom feels too many of those old world values are still lingering. I'm so glad that show was gone, but I wish I had it still to play it. Because I feel like too many people think like that. They don't voice it until they get pushed into a corner. And the real way they feel about men and women and society and a home, like homosexuals and at this point transsexuals and race and education and everything else comes out. And you start to realize, you know, who you may have been hanging around or who you may have been talking to. And that's why I like our podcast, because we don't always agree on everything. But when it comes down to what's right and what's wrong, I don't feel like there's a gray area with us on some things like saying that black women should saying that women in general shouldn't work is wrong if they want to work that's fine saying that all black people are ghetto and or all black people are aren't educated or they can't read they don't talk well that's that's not true saying that talking proper is white that's not true that's you know that's something we fight a lot on our network actually you know and i never heard that until podcast i never i heard things like i heard the opposite all through high school i mean you talk proper for black podcasters, this refuting and defying negative stereotypes is a constant battle in a world where negative self-representations of minorities are all too readily latched onto by uneducated whites coming from a standpoint of confirmation bias. Of course, there are also crass, vulgar, low-life white podcasters, but other white podcasters don't have to fight off being identified with them. Chris is adamant about not pandering to listener expectations that he finds offensive, even if it means losing some of his following. There's certain things I just don't have tolerance for. There's so many things I'm not going to entertain. And that does, that can limit one our audience and it can turn people off. If I am not going to deal with, like we have another friend, uh, Rod, who's always getting people always hitting him with like the men's right activist stuff and sexism. I can't tolerate that. Like, I'll never be able to tolerate that. And there's certain things that I won't back down from. And I think it does affect minority or underrepresented podcasters because 
there are a lot of people who will listen to a show that they don't agree with anything the person says, and their only sole thing is to try to trigger that person or to argue with them or something like that. And I'm quick to tell somebody, like, listen, uh, I'd rather you not listen to my show. Again, if you listen to this guy on a podcast, I'm sorry, I hate this, Hip Hop Gamer. Like, that's an old school version of that where oh, no. there's, this, yeah, there's this guy that has these outdated views of what it is for everyone. Like, he made this long, we, we've wrote, we, all of us have wrote to him on this. He was going on about... We've actually um, interviewed him on our show before. Yeah, he was talking about... Anita Sarkeesian, she did that, that video about like sexism in video games. And he went all about how she was wrong and this is there's no sex. I'm like, dude, are you... He had no idea what he was talking about. But that was radio. Like, that's urban radio. It's a bunch of guys, mostly guys, talking about stuff. They have no idea. What, they, they have not changed. They have no idea their own sex... Uh, their own uh, misogyny. And the women who co-signed it, like, that was considered urban radio. So the way to break into that has been like podcasts where we can now be like, listen, we're not stupid. Like we're actually educated in the world. Sexism is a particularly tenacious, ongoing issue that black podcasters are constantly confronting, especially in the light of the recent allegations against actor Bill Cosby. And this subject has also put them under fire from some African-American listeners who confuse loyalty to one's community with basic human values that have little to do with race or ethnicity. One thing that's not discussed enough in media, and I hear it discussed all the time amongst our our shows and the different networks, is rape culture. Like, rape culture is a huge thing and people don't talk about it. I don't... Things have, like, it's, you watch the news and you can see it there. You see it in films, you see it in day-to-day dialogue, you see it in people's uh, presumptions of how you're supposed to carry yourself, or people ask certain questions. Like, I, I see it all the time. There are these memes that I get on my Facebook where they'll have like a woman in lingerie bent over in the kitchen and they have like a text that says, your girl goes to work, her best friend slept over, you come out your bedroom to this, do you hit it? And I'm thinking, do you ask first? <laughs> what? Wait, why is this complete? Why is this decision? Why is this two person decision based on one person? But to me, like the whole Bill Cosby thing, I lost a lot of friends over that incident because there were a lot of people. How you go? How you just gonna keep taking the pills? Or how you you know how you gonna let a man do this to you? That's your fault. Or you shouldn't be wearing stuff like this around certain people. Or you shouldn't go here or go there. Instead of saying, hey, just don't break. I just don't like that I had to be in Bill Cosby's defense because one time he played Heathcliff Huxtable for eight seasons. I love that show, and I think that show had a lot to give and a lot to show for diversity and culture and blackness and everything else. That character has nothing to do with what Bill Cosby does in the real world, and he's been doing annoying mess for the longest. So when this came out, I was just like, yeah, he's kind of arrogant anyway. He's not Heathcliff Huxtable, and that was the hardest thing to argue with people. It was like, he's not Heathcliff Huxtable. We had people who were like really mad that two, like a man and woman could actually agree that, hey, maybe you shouldn't rape women and drug them and do it for over 30 something years. But Bill made them um, a different world than um, the Cosby Show, but it's like, when these real stories started coming out, and it's just they're like, you're getting mad at me for stating facts, like, oh, um, and I'm sorry for anybody who might get offended at this. What man in their right mind would settle a case saying that they were a rapist? What? Much less one that had a whole bunch of money. And we had a lot of people really get mad on my Facebook page, on my Twitter. I, as a media person, a media outlet, is put to put the opinion I feel free to do out there because my podcast is my podcast, my show is my show. And these are the type of things that we, you know, are supposed to be able to go up front and be able to do. And that's why I brought up the entire question about how people want to try to put you into a box. And it's almost to me, it's like if you're doing entertainment, like for us, 
we get a lot of new music, we're blessed to get a lot of music service to us. They're like, wow, I like the music, but your commentary just kind of is like, yeah, it's a whole package though. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not supposed to be the, oh, well, I like, um, I like Mary and John, I like Fusion and the Black Hawk when they play music, and otherwise, you're making me uncomfortable. Well, great media to me sometimes makes people uncomfortable. Right. It well, makes you question things. It, it brings up a conversation, and I think that's one of the great things about podcasting as a whole, as a medium, especially for underrepresented um, populations. All of our Black panelists podcast with co-hosts, and podcasting with female co-hosts or with a lead female host like DJ Fusion is one way they challenge the notion of the less able and submissive woman. We added a Black female voice to the show because we thought that was necessary for a hip-hop conversation. And she's more versed in it than we are. She's amazing. And she's college educated. She represents the female voice on our show. And honestly, to me, she just represents a hip-hop voice on our show and makes it more diverse. My partner, it's very weird because they expect him to be a sexist and they expect me to be submissive or that I don't know a certain thing about hip-hop music or whatever have you and he knows everything. So whether pushing back stereotypes on how a black person should behave or confronting misogyny, these four podcasters, three men and one woman, who all happen to be African-American, nevertheless wish to be regarded first as podcasters. I don't label myself as a black podcast. I happen to be black. A lot of people, almost everybody contributes to my site is black. We just have to talk about things that everybody else talks about. But if there's a topic like race or sexism or homophobia or something like that, we're not going to be afraid to talk about that stuff because currently we, we have to. I have to live that. Of course, their racial and cultural identity will often set the tone or drive the subject of discussion, even sometimes make it imperative that they confront certain issues. That goes for anyone podcasting. But perhaps because of who they are, they don't take their own voices as much for granted. As Chris says, they have to live many of the issues they cover. Is I, I listen to a diverse amount of shows, whether they are black shows, you know, women-led shows and stuff like that, or you know, white-led shows. What I find the, inter- the most interesting is it seems that the black shows or minority-based shows tend to have more of an affinity for talking about the harder issues. Again, we do commentary on comic books or something like that. And the Bill Cosby thing, I think, is a, is a, a good example because we're in a space, one, that allows us ultimate freedom, we can talk about whatever we want, because we have that space, I think minorities tend to say, okay, well, if they're going to let us do this, we're going to talk about whatever we want. And we, and we go for it because they're, like, we are already a, ni- a niche market just because of the nature of who we are. It's kind of nice because it's freeing in a way that you get to talk about whatever you want. Like, you're never going to hear them make, maybe they make a joke about it, but you're never going to hear a long-form conversation on the nerdist about whether or not rape culture is a thing. But on the Nerdpocalypse or on where my, where's, you know, where's my 40 acres and stuff like that, you will hear that conversation and it'll be unabashed. We're all bringing our backgrounds and experiences into this relatively new nerdy medium called podcasting. And there are just as many non-white nerds as white nerds. I, back in the day, was just there like, oh, we're starting a podcast. You can go listen to a show through a computer. What type of geeky shit is that? That's weird. Nerd culture now mm-hmm. is being a huge thing. It is the Such culture. a huge thing. And back in the day, it was not cool to be a nerd. It was not cool to be a nerd. Now everybody wants to be a nerd. Well, there's nothing nerdier than what we're doing right now. Right. <laughs> hey, I have this esoteric knowledge about, you know, about this topic. 
allow me to record it and send it out to the masses shortly. So, in case you haven't yet got the message, hashtag white people, here's DJ Fusion to reiterate it one more time. Not all podcasts are white. Not all people who listen to podcasts are white. For much more on this story, talk to non-white podcasters. You have been listening to Routing Out, conceived, written and produced by Zoe Badovinik, with music by Zoe Badovinik and AZ, with thanks to the tweeting voices of the Capitol Hill Chorale and Maryland Choral Society, and special guests Mary, DJ Fusion, Nichols of Fusebox Radio Broadcast, Jay of the Nerdpocalypse Network, Chris of Movie Trailer Reviews Podcast Network, and the guy whose name I've mangled several times during this episode, Venom, 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 Venom Black of Where's My 40 Acres Podcast. Join us again next time on Routing Out.